Good evening. Welcome to the Fort Lauderdale Primary Purpose, Primary Purpose Big Book Study Group, Thursday Night Alcoholics and God, uh, Speaker Step Series. Now let's uh, start off with our joke. Come on up, Dana. Oh, thank you very much. Target. I'm a Target enthusiast. Uh, my name is Dana. I am your alcoholic comedian for the evening. We got a doozy for you. Heard at a meeting, circa 1970. The last days of my alcoholic drinking were like making love to a skunk. I wondered how much pleasure I could stand. And that's it. <laughs> Thank you, Dana. Let's give another round. Um, I'm a recovered alcoholic. My name is Tyler. Thanks for joining us tonight. In a minute, we're going to start our two-minute meditation, so please take a moment to get settled, situated, turn off your phones, all devices that might make noise or distract others. Take this time to get connected to God. Let the craziness of the day drift away and ask God to help you stay focused on the step study tonight. Now, is everyone ready? Okay, let's begin.
welcome back. So um, let's kick it off with the fog, fog light prayer uh, on your left and on your right. So, God, God let your love shine through me like a fog light. There is a solution from the big book, page, page 17. The tremendous fact for every one of us is that we have discovered a, discovered a common solution. We have a way out of which we can absolutely agree and upon which we can join in brotherly and harmonious action. This is the great news this book carries to those who suffer from alcoholism. I've asked Robert to read the, the Appendix 2 Spiritual Experience. We read this because the main purpose of the 12 steps is to have one, so it's kind of important to know what one is. Come on up, Robert. My name is Robert. I'm a grateful, recovered alcoholic. Spiritual experience. The term spiritual experience and spiritual awakening are used many times in this book, which upon careful reading shows that the personality change sufficient to bring about recovery from alcoholism has manifested itself among us in many different forms. Yet it is true that our first printing may gave re- many readers the impression that these personality changes or religious experiences must be in the nature of sudden and spectacular upheavals. Happily for everyone, this conclusion is erroneous. In the first few chapters, a number of sudden revolutionary changes are described. Though it is not our intentions to create such an impression, many alcoholics have nonetheless concluded that in order to recover, they must acquire an immediate or overwhelming God consciousness, followed at once by a vast change in feeling and outlook. Among our rapidly growing membership of thousands of alcoholics, such transformation, though frequent, are by no means the rule. Most of our experiences are what the psychologist William James calls the educational variety, because they develop slowly over a period of time. Quite often, friends of a newcomer are aware of the difference long before he is himself. He finally realizes that he has undergone a profound alteration in his reaction to life, that such a change could hardly have been brought about by himself alone. What often takes place in a few months could seldom have been accomplished by years of self-discipline. With a few exceptions, our members find that they have tapped an unsuspected inner resource, which they presently identify with their own conception of a power greater than themselves. Most of us think that this awareness of the power greater than ourselves is the essence of the spiritual experience. Our more religious members call it God consciousness. Most emphatically, we wish to say that an alcoholic capable of honestly facing his problems in the light of our experience can recover, provided, provided he does not close his mind to all spiritual concepts. He can only be defeated by an attitude of intolerance or belligerent denial. We find that no one need to have any difficulty with the spirituality of the program. Willingness, honesty, and open-mindedness are essentials of recovery, but these are indispensable. There is a principle which is the bar against all information, which is proof against all arguments, and which cannot fail to keep a man in everlasting ignorance. That principle is contempt prior to investigation. Herbert Spencer. Thank you, Rob. So please refrain from disturbing others by talking or getting up and uh, sitting back down. This is a tech-free meeting. Excuse me. So set your phones to airplane mode or simply just turn them off. Um, And now I will introduce our speaker, Paulette. (laughs) Come on up whenever you're ready. 
basket. Sure. Yep. Let me get rid of all this stuff. Seven, seven tradition, eh? We're self-supporting through our own contributions. Uh, I'm not just a taker anymore. I'm a giver. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, and, okay. Well, hello, fellow travelers. It's the fourth week, and we're on the fourth step. And um, exciting times. And uh, so I just want to take a moment and say thank you to this group, much more than ever, um, because I am totally, totally into the work which I need to be at this stage of my development. Thank you for allowing me to continue to grow because that's what service does for me. You may get a lot from what I say, but boy, I get much more. Um, I just don't feel like that when I start. I just don't want to do it. But when I really get into it, such a blessing. So I want to thank this group so much from the bottom of my heart for giving me this opportunity to be of service and to dive into the book and to see the things that I have missed the last time when I was in the book. Because I am not one of those alcoholics who picks up my big book every day. Far from it. So I'm grateful. So let's start. Let's get down to um, causes and conditions. Uh, but I'd like to start, like I always do, by saying the set-aside prayer that my sponsor, Dorothy H., passed on to me before she died. And it has always served me well, because when I say it, I actually um, feel the presence of God as I understand God. So let's start with the set-aside prayer. And there are many versions of it, like I say every week, but this is the version that she gave me, and I love it. And it goes like this. Dear God, please set aside everything I think I know about myself, this book, my disease, these steps, and especially about you, dear God, so that I may have an open mind and a new experience with all these things. Please help me to see the truth. Thank you for your indulgence. I appreciate it um, so much. I am an alcoholic. And I am a member of the one day at a time group of Alcoholics Anonymous located in Miramar. My home group meets every Wednesday at 8 p.m. I am sponsored and I sponsor. To me, that means the difference between work and working. I do have a sober date, and my sober date is January 28, 1995, and my name is Paulette. You're all so serious tonight. What's up with that? It's just the fourth step. The one that you should have been serious on and concerned about was third, not fourth. <laughs> I don't know about you. Third step is kind of scary. Uh, turning my thinking 
and my life over to some power that I couldn't see at the time. I still don't see it. I heard an old timer said something recently at a meeting I was in. And you know those old timers are very funny in a very deadpan way. I know you know a few of them. And she says, I have never seen God, but I think I've heard him once or twice. And I started to think about it, and I said, that was me in early sobriety. Um, when I was trying to figure out what, what my conception of God would be like after Philip passed away. And was still in that, trying to figure that out. Meanwhile, I was staying sober a day at a time. Not even figuring that staying sober a day at a time was beyond my power. You know, that's how this thing works. The simple things right in my face. But I want to talk to you tonight about um, the fourth step. And I want to take a moment to go back, if you will, indulge me. And by the way, I need to say this now again. I don't think I said it yesterday. Yeah, last week I did. I don't listen to my podcast. I'm not one of those people. I don't like how I sound. So um, you like how I sound. That's okay, but I don't. So I don't need to go back and listen to myself. So I don't hear what I say um, the week before. I depend on you to tell me in the lobby. Um, And so one of the things that I wanted to pay attention to and to make sure I say it because there are people amongst us, there are fellow travelers who may not have found a God of their own understanding or who has a different concept of a, a, a higher power than I do. I want to say welcome to you. I want to say to you, please keep an open mind. Please do not be discouraged. Um, Because this program has given all of us, each one of us have been gifted with the concept of a higher power as we understand that. That is one of the freedoms that this program has afforded all of us. We are always, always inclusive, never exclusive. And so I need to say that. Because I am talking about and sharing with you as we do this step study, my experience, strength, and hope as I continue to work these steps and gain the benefits of the principles that I have gotten from working the step. Because it's not the step that gives me all these freedoms that allows me to go through the circumstances and the realities of life. It is the principle, the spiritual principle that is given to me by working the steps. And then I apply these principles in all areas of my life. What I am trying to do is stop compartmentalizing my life and start to create a whole human being. So whenever you see me, you get the same thing you got last week. If you're like me, what you saw last week may not be what you'll see tonight. That used to be the old Paulette. I was a Mrs. Jekyll and Hyde. You know, I had different faces. You know, I I just changed everywhere I went. I could never be the same person all the time. What the freedom from working the steps and living by the spiritual principles that is derived from working these steps is that I am able to show up exactly the way I showed up last week. I might have a little different hairstyle. After all, I'm a black woman. I like to change my hair. 
that's part of the culture. Um, but other than that, what in deep down inside of me, you will get to see the fundamental of God as I understand God. So I just wanted to put that out if you're struggling with the concept of God. Don't get bogged down on it. Stick around. Keep an open mind. Something just might change your whole life and rocket you to a different phase in your life. So hang on. We'll see what God says as I understand God. So what I do every week is that I read the step as it's written, not because I want you to know that I can read. The fact that I read it as it's written is because I like to make stuff up. And so I think that Bill should have put something in the steps that he missed out, so I'll help him out and put something in there. And what that does, it causes confusion. And I am a child of confusion and chaos. And so what the step does is simplifies it for me and keeps me clear-cut directions. And by reading it, it allows me to be able to do it the way it is laid out. And it clears away all the clutter and the confusion and the chaos that exists in the mind of an alcoholic like me. I don't know if you're like me, but my mind is the worst thing you can ever have. Mind of an alcoholic like me. Chaos. My first sponsor, Philip B., used to say, when you get an idea, run it by me. Because, or take somebody else with you up there. And, uh, and I believe in that. So it says, step four says, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Pretty straightforward, isn't it? And um, I want you to know that um, I will be taught, uh, my share will come directly from the big book. And some of it will be um, through my friend Joe, from Joe and Charlie, because with the big book and Joe, when Joe writings, I find it a lot more clearer. I am an alcoholic who has a very vivid imagination. I just see things in my mind. And when I can visualize it, it helps me a lot. And um, when I do the two together, sometimes it helps me to have a much brighter and, and clearer picture of what I look like. And because this is about me. It isn't about you. And so I am going to be on page 63, 64, and 65 of the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous because it's in there that I find me. And I did not know that they knew me before I got here, but this told me they did. They were waiting for me. Thank God they kept the door open. So I want to start, I want to go back a little. Please indulge me. To the word care in the third step. It's important to me. Um, you know I have a, a kind of weird way of doing, I'm working the steps. Um, but I like to start with that word care. Because it's important to me as I am going to be talking about how this thing works in my life. It's not by magic, it's action. Um, and if you're like me, I like to stay lazy and procrastinate. You know, I, I like to say I'm taking my comfort. And, um, and that doesn't go away. It's just that I don't use it as often as I used to because there's no need for me to do it. But I want to talk about the word care for a minute because it, 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 it's important. And I wanted to talk to you about what care looks like with the God of my own understanding. What does it look like for me? What is that telling me? And I had to think about this for a minute 
but it, it, it suggests to me that this kind of care that is Bill is talking about for me, it means that this God of my own understanding is going to be providing serious attention and consideration to my needs. Really? I can't pay good money for that. Uh, alcohol used to provide that in my early years, but when I crossed that invisible line and the progression of my disease, it stopped doing that. So now this care is going to be providing serious attention. Now an egomaniac like me, I love that. Serious attention to me and consideration for my needs. Egomaniac like me loves that. So you got me right there. But also it will be attaching some kind of importance to my needs. And most importantly, it will be looking after me. That's what care means to me in the third. I need to remind myself about that before I launch into vigorous action. Now, um, the results of making this decision in step three is only temporary, spoiler alert, if you don't launch into the fort. It's a temporary effect. It cannot be permanent if you don't move to four. If I did not move to four, there would be no permanent effect for me. That keystone, that part of building this new home in which I will be living with me and my higher power and inviting you in, will not be held tightly together. The keystone that locks everything would be temporary. So it will fall apart if I don't move to four. I keep reminding you as well as myself that the steps are divinely placed in order. It is not a smorgish board. You cannot pick and choose what you want to work with on which step speaks to your spirit. It doesn't work like that. It is not cafeteria style. They're divinely set up in a way that they work one after the other. And three and four are like this, one after the other. They lock into step. This is why I took the time to remind you all about what care means. Something, this power, who I choose to call God today, my conception of that is going to give me serious attention as I launch into what I find to be taking a look at find out what do I look like? I don't know about you. When I came here, I didn't know who the heck I was. I'm still finding out who Paulette is. As I grow a little at a time, there is areas about me that I didn't know existed. This is the first time that I was going to look at what I look like in black and white. And so I, I had to have this kind of care around me. Somebody that's going to support me and be considerate about me and my needs and my attention. That's going to mitigate the risk that I am going to take to find out about me. You want to hear something really, really funny? Mitigating risk is what I do for a living. I kid you not. 
I'm a healthcare risk manager by trade. And yet my higher power is about to do that for me. How cool is God? Way cool. And so I'm telling you this because Bill Wilson talked about it when he, he started out describing the spiritual life in architectural terms. But when he got to the fourth step, he switched. Tricky little bugger that he is. And he started to relate me to a business. Now I am a business. Bill Wilson says, I'm the most important business on planet Earth. Talk about feeding my ego. So now I'm a business. And he says, any business that is run without, run without taking inventory is bound to be bankrupt. If you don't know what kind of stock you have in trade, eventually you're going to lose money. And when you lose money, eventually you're going to have to close up shop. When I washed up on the, floor, on, the, on the door of Alcoholics Anonymous, I was bankrupt. Spiritually, emotionally, and physically bankrupt. Because I am a business, according to what Bill says. Bill says, I'm the most important business. My stock in trade is me and my thinking. And what my thinking has become. And my thinking... Given what I used to do is the sum total of my actions. And my actions is what washed me up on this, the doors of Alcoholics Anonymous. So it's my thinking, stock in trade. And he says self-will equal thinking. Therefore, if I'm always thinking about self, my instinct, my God-given instinct that was given to me by the God of my own understanding, a far exceeded their function by me trying to wrestle as much as I can out of my God-given instinct. Sooner or later, I run into trouble. I'm bankrupt. And so he says, this is my stock in trade. So I need to find out what, is, what has happened to me so I can find the things that have blocked me from the God of my own understanding. Because deep down inside of me, there is the fundamental idea that there is a God of my own understanding that cares for me. But I could not get to that God because of these things that was blocking me based on me trying to wrestle everything out of it. The God-given instinct far exceeds its function. So for example... My drive for personal ambition have caused me to do a whole lot of dangerous things for material success, for emotional security. These are things that I have done to myself. I need to know what is the damage. What does the damage look like? If I'm going to do anything about it, I need to know what I look like. And when I stop for a minute, I'm going to tell you something. 
um, when I first did my first fourth step, I've done many since then. I'm going back to the beginning because I like to go back to where it started. I had no idea. I was clueless. But I had a sponsor who had a working knowledge of the 12 steps, the 12 tradition, and the 12 concepts. And he was able to pass it on to me the way I could retain it and do some work. He said to me, don't get caught up on the columns. And I was like, why not? Because Bill put it in columns. He said that was just Bill's way of trying to keep us at focus. Because if you have a brain like mine, you're easily distracted. You got to rearrange things in order for you to see where you're going. What a concept. Jesus Christ, I never thought you could do things like that. And so when he said that, I was like, he said, why did I tell you to sit up front when you go to meetings? Because you're easily distracted. I thought he just didn't want me to enjoy the beauty of the men coming in. (laughs) But he was telling me to sit up front so I could hear what was going on. So that whatever was going on behind me, I wouldn't even care about it. So I wouldn't miss the message. Well, it's the same thing that Bill does for the fourth step for us. He organized it in a way so we would not be easily distracted by chaos, calamity, and confusion. So the columns is just to rearrange everything. It's a way of rearranging my whole life so that it can be perfectly make sense to me, an alcoholic like me who needs to see the truth. And so that's the column process. So don't get caught up on that. Be more serious about the contents. What's in it? Another thing that I have learned and practiced a day at a time to the best of my ability is the fact that each column should be done one at a time. Because I found out That if I don't do it one at a time, I get confused easily. Because if I go right across, and then I go right across, start from one and keep going to two and two, three and four, I get lost. And then I get frustrated. And when I get frustrated, believe me, I don't want to talk to nobody or do nothing. So that's another thing to keep in mind when we are going to launch into vigorous action, as he says here. On end of page 63. Keep that in mind. So here's what I want to talk to you now about. Launching into vigorous action. Or rigorous action. Sorry. Uh, What is this fourth step is going to be? It's going to be for me. To simply look at the manifestations of my self-will. That's what this is about. What does that look like? And by the way, spoiler alert, uh, my fellow travelers, there's no such thing as a mental inventory. (laughs) Get over, erase that thought. An inventory is a written list of items that needs to be done by pen and paper Some of you do it on your computer. I'm not here to judge. I'm just saying when I write, 
it, make, it makes a lot more difference to me. But that's just my experience, strength, and hope. And he says here, I'm going to read something to you so you understand where I'm coming from with this. He says here, the results of step three will not be based on the decision itself, but on the actions that I take as a result of the decision I made. So while step three is vital and crucial step, it has no permanent effect unless I follow it with actions and that actions begins with step four. That's the truth for me. And so he says, a personal inventory, a business. And now he's talking about, he talks about it, he says, Look at it as a business inventory. Searching. Take the word searching out of fourth step. What is searching in a business sense for you business alcoholics out there? Searching, fact finding. It's in the big book, page 64, I think it is. For business inventory, it's fact finding. For us, personal inventory is searching. Fearless. Another word in there before he gets to the inventory. Fact-facing. Facing facts. From a business perspective, it's facing facts. From a personal inventory, it is fearless. And then he says moral. From a business sense, it means truthful. That's what he's talking about. So in other words... Bill says, made a fact-finding, fact-facing, truthful inventory about me. I don't know about you. That's a big mouthful. That's a hell of a task for an alcoholic like me who picked up my first drink at the age of 15. Whole lot of living went into that. Destructive. Whole lot of toes got crushed in the way. And so when he says that, he's talking about this. And then he says, I have to find what he called as a business. I'm going to tell you something, and I like it because um, it, I keep talking about it because I got it from Joe, from Joe and Charlie, and I like it very much because it talks about me. He, Joe says, if I think of myself as a crime scene, I'm a big fan of CSI. The old one, not the new Jack City. We do forensic investigation. So think of yourself as a crime scene. If you're going to find out what is wrong, then you have to do a forensic investigation. You've got to analyze the information you, pick, you find out. So I am the crime scene. I know I clean up well. You should have seen me when I came here. I am the crime scene. I need to find out what caused me to come here in the first place. Because it isn't my drinking. That's but a symptom. Something else. Causes and condition. So as I look at myself as a crime scene, I have to be the one, the detective, 
to find out what is wrong with me. So I'm going to analyze the information that I gather. So this column and how Bill lines it up will help me to find those things out. And here's what he's saying to me. He said, I need to know what is the unsaleable goods. So I can be able to identify these unsaleable goods. What is that that I have been walking around that have been bogging me down? That has caused me so much problems in my life. I need to find those unsaleable goods so I can trade them in. You know, and I think about it and I was like, geez, all my life I've been walking around with these unsaleable goods, thinking that I was a good business and nobody was coming to buy. Nobody was shopping. Why don't people like me? Why am I having trouble with relationships? Why is my boss doesn't like me? Why are all of these things? Because I had some unidentified, unsaleable goods that I thought they were priceless. Bill says I need to look at them, identify them, so that I can... You see, this is, those unsaleable goods were actually making my life unmanageable. And I didn't know that. It's part of this is looking at the things that was making my life unmanageable. And then he talks about it and he says this. He says, the number one thing for a selfish and self-centered person like me, one of those, the number one thing for me, resentment. God, I never saw resentment I didn't like. I walked around resentment for... For years. And the thing about my resentment is that the more I replay it, the better it gets. It sounds even better. Especially when I keep thinking about it and sitting on it. Some, a resentment I had 10 years ago looked better 15 years later. How could that be? And he says, this is something that ha- happens to me. He says... At the time when I got the resentment, it's the thoughts. Because remember, every resentment begins with a thought. Where does my disease live? In my mind. So if I get a thought that is already corroded by resentment, it's going to dominate me. And if I don't think so, It's going to cause me to turn my life, which is my thinking, which is a result of my life, over to the thing, the person, place, institution, philosophy that I resent in the first place. So in other words, I have just turned over my life to you. And I didn't even know it. And so he says... This is one of the main reasons why we need to put it down. And I'm going to stop for a minute because I got to tell you about my personal um, resentments and why they had dominated me for so long. Maybe I will. Maybe I won't. We'll see what God says. But in my first column, I remembered in my first attempt at a fourth step, I had my mother, 
because I didn't like my mother. She was too passive aggressive. She needed to speak up much more. She caused me to do too much work. I was a seventh of ten. And I did not want to be a surrogate mother. How dare she does that. I could not understand that, so it was unforgivable. And so I could not pursue my personal ambition because I was at home doing her job. Second one was my father. Heavy drinker. Gave up his ob obligation as a father. Left the family so that we could suffer. Refused to support us financially. We were devoid from fa our father emotionally. He never gave me a hug from I was eight years old. And so on and so on. And then I remembered this one that went on there. My son, who turned 39 on the 17th of January. When I was pregnant with my son, I became resentful at being pregnant. Because it meant I had to stop drinking for nine months. Nothing interferes with my drinking. Not even motherhood. So needless to say, I was resentful at being pregnant. I was resentful at, at, at the nine months it took too long. I was resentful at being a mother. You, you, see the, you see where I'm going with this. Okay? So one resentment, then another one, and another one. That's only five. I was born in the Caribbean, Jamaica. Resentful at the country that I was born in. Close-mindedness. Me calling the country close-minded. Judgmental. Me calling them judgmental. This is part of what I had to go through and unravel. How many resentment I had built up. I was resentful at my siblings. And I list each one. And the cause of what made me resentful at, with them. All of that I was walking around with. And acting like I was a full, full developed human being. And so this is part of what I have to tell you tonight. How this is important to unravel all of these things. And the same way he says, he says something the same way with my fears. I did the same thing with my fears. Because he says, Bill says, fear should be classed as classified as stealing. Think about that. How many times fear has caused me not to move forward? How many? And the thing is, it is all here. It is not real. It's all made up. And then because I believed the fear, I, made, I did some actions. And here's the other part of the, the, the inventory that harmed you. This is a very sick individual. That a lot needs to be done to. And so Bill talks about it when he says. Wrong judgment equal resentment for me. Wrong believing. Means it's fears. 
And wrong action ends up in harming others as well as myself. Simple. Isn't that simple? But for me, it isn't. So I got to do this. He says, what happens to me is that what it blocks me off from you is that it talks about each one of these things that leads me to confusion. And I'm telling you, if you're an alcoholic that identify with me, you're a ball of confusion. Listen to the newcomer who just comes in. They just start talking nonstop. And you're sitting there saying, please take a breath. Please take a breath. Pause. So that you can actually close your eyes and blink. Because there's so much confusion going on in your head. And the same thing can happen to me if I let, if I stop allowing the God of my understanding to direct my thinking today. A simple problem can snowball into a whole lot more problems. It's easy for that to happen. And so what he's talking about, he says, I need to think about how am I going to do this? So like I said, don't think about the, the columns. Don't have to think about whether the lines are straight or not. For God's sakes, don't. Think about the contents. Please. Don't waste your time like I did in the first time I did it. I killed poor Philip. I probably took hours off his life. When I said, I don't think that line is straight. He said, will you stop for God's sakes and write this thing down? That was how confused and sick I was. Don't work. Don't do what I did in the first. Think about all of the people that I, the things like the example I just gave. The second column is what they did to me. That's what I need to write. And if you're like me, no matter how long that resentment you have been carrying, as soon as you write down what they did to you, you remember everything about it. Soon as I put a name, I remembered. Oh, that SOB, I remembered. Now I can put it, causes, put it in. And you keep filling up that cause. What did they do to me? Write it down. It comes back quickly. Now here's the third column. Very important one. Because see, one of the things is, I can't do nothing about the first. It's done. It's done. Water under the bridge. The second one is done. Can't change that. That's how I, that's how I be believe that. That's my belief in there. But the third one, what part of me did it affect? That's important. Because see, that's the part that I can't fix. What part of my God-given instinct was affected by that resentment? What did that person do to me that I have been walking around that have been taking a piece of me all these years? Given up by me, by the way, without my permission. Take renting space in my head. For free. The more I think about it, the more my blood boils. I have given up my part of my desire, my, my personal ambition. My father. One of the things that I learned in this inventory about my dad. Is that I had so much resentment and anger against him. Was that I strive to be successful just to show him 
that I could be successful in spite of him. Who goes around living like that? I wanted him to see how successful I could be and he had nothing to do with it. Now remember, the man gave birth to me. So whatever success I achieve, still a part of him, but my mind does not have that concept. But I wanted to show him. Everybody who has done me something has affected that third column, which is myself. This is what is important. Part of me have been, the core part of what God, as I understand God, has made, has been damaged because of that resentment against you. All my life. I couldn't believe it when I saw it. I couldn't believe that I resented being a mother when I look at my son at 39 now. I resented him because he stopped me from drinking. What kind of mother does that? I'm not afraid to tell you that because that's my past. But I have to face the fact that there was a time in my life that I resented being a mother. I resented my son because he came at the time when I wasn't ready. He came on his time, not on my time. Selfish, self-centered. And so I'm telling you, that's the ter third column. I can't fix it because a sick mind like me can't fi fix that sickness. That is the part where my instincts have far exceeded its proportion insanity. Two says, a power greater than me has to restore me to sanity, soundness of mind. So I can't touch that third column, but I need to identify it. Because you can't, see, I can't tell, go, to, go to, to, to God as I understand God without knowing what I'm going with. I need to know. That third column is important. And then the fourth one is a part that I need to know what all of that behavior has done. The harm I've done. The exact nature. And it's usually all of this that I'm going to tell you. It's fear. I've either caused fear. I put fear in somebody else's life. But more importantly, it has caused me to have a lot of fear and the fear has paralyzed me and have caused me to do some things that I've never would have done if I had never had it. It has also put me in a place where I have become inconsiderate, which means I couldn't care less about how you feel. I couldn't care less because it's all about self. It's also made me become dishonest. Which means that I have become so dishonest that it's become a way of life. Have you ever found yourself just telling a lie for the hell of it? And then it even shocks you? And says, but I don't even need to tell a lie. But it just comes. The abnormal becomes the normal. This is the part of the fourth column that I need to know the exact nature of who I've become. 
inconsiderate, selfish, fearful, and dishonest human being. And I couldn't even call myself a human being back then when I saw it. And so he's saying to me, once I look at myself as a crime scene and start to extract all of this information, I put it in the order these columns were designed to, to help me to see. Because a business that is not taking inventory is a business that is bound to go bankrupt. And my life as, as, as the crime scene is evidence of that bankruptcy. And so he says here, he says, I am resentful at. That's your first column. List it. He talks about it. But what is the exact nature of my wrong? I want to harp that over and over to you guys more and more. Is that this tells me who I've become. He says, here he says, I will be able to see what I have done and how I have been involved. So in case you all didn't think you had something, some involvement, word step shows you, you have been living a lie, which is a form of insanity. What part of my character was associated with these particular resentments, these particular fears, these harms that I've done to others, which have caused me a lot of guilt and remorse and shame? He says, the big book says that we have done something based on self that struck those people and they retaliated against us. Page 62, by the way. He says, usually what will happen to me is that I will see the most important things that is in my fourth column, in my fourth step. That is the things that I can look at. Can't touch the third. Third is in the God of your understanding. He says, my dishonesty, lack of consideration, selfishness and self-seeking and fear. Part of my fourth column. I had to start to see and work backwards to the truth. Insanity is the inability, is the ability, sorry, in, insanity is the ability to see, the inability to see the truth. A lie, I tell myself. The inability to see the truth. Sanity is the ability to see the truth. Fourth step provides me with sanity to see the truth about what Paulette is like. An inventory is a tool that enables me to see the truth. Written one, by the way, not mental. And that truth is about to set me free. So here he says here. What I need to do is to help, the, st the step four helps me to begin to know and understand Paulette. That's what it does. It's not out to get me. It's not out to shame me. It's about to show me what I have become based on years and years of destructive living. It has categorized all of the things and what led me to do it. And how I have become this human being that I no longer recognize. It has bankrupted me. And so what he's saying to me is, just put it down on paper. Take a look at yourself. 
And by the way, when I start doing this on a regular basis, I need to add this to you. There is nothing you can't tell me about me that makes me feel bad about me. You can't hurt my feelings no more. And by the way, if you hurt my feelings, I'm going to tell you. Why? Because it may not be true. How do I know that? Inventory. Because something you may say about me that isn't true, I already know it. Because my inventory has disclosed it. That's another empowering tool for me. Because when I know who I am, then you can't tell me who I am. It's another empowering part of Fourth Step. When I know who I am, I'm, I know that. Then there's nothing you can do to hurt me. It's powerful. That's how cool this fourth step is. There should be no fear to find out. Aren't you tired of people telling you who you are? Aren't you? I sure am. I now have to tell you who I am with a swagger. Guess what? This is who I am. Hello. Meet Paulette. This is who I am. And then I can go about the business of working to make a business that have saleable goods. And so I want to tell you this because I don't want to linger this. Because this is important and I'm going to end with this because I know my, I'm probably going over and I don't want to. I've been going good. Um, Bill Wilson talks about fear and it's important. Because if you're an alcoholic, alcoholic like me... You have fears, fears that are so, he says a hundred form of fears, but sometimes it seems like a lot more. He calls it an evil and corroding thread. So I, I, I checked it out again and I looked it up again and I looked at it and I thought about it. Corroding means, it, it has a lot more meaning because it's about metal and all of that, but I don't want to get into that technical term, so I made it real simple. It's eaten away by degrees. It's weakening and destroying gradually. What is that eating away and gradually destroying? It's my spirit. That's what fear does for me. So it weakens me so badly that my spirit is non-existent when I crawl into you. Fear, that's how much it is. And so it undermines my own spirit. So I have to look at it from the way the fourth step is designed. And in it you will see, we'll talk about it because if I can do this on a regular basis, 10 step allows me to do this, but we're not at 10 here. The sum total of all my thoughts which is my thinking, which becomes my will. If that is going through my mind each day, if I can put those thoughts and put them, categorize them, I have a better chance of becoming a whole new human being with the help if I continue. So when Bill says launch, he simply means get down to causes and conditions. It simply means get to know who you are before somebody tells you who you are. You just might hurt their feelings. 
You don't want to add to your fourth step list. Even though it happens. I'd rather give a resentment today than get one. And so I want to tell you thank you. Because that is my take on the fourth step. And how I prepare and how I go through it. I hope it has helped you. And I hope I did not shock you that I am a crime scene. Thank you. I didn't even think I wanted it. Yeah. That way or this way? Thank you. Of course. I can hold that. Uh-uh. Or whatever. Right Let's have another round. Thank you so much. Wow. That was wonderful. Okay, um, and I guess ne- up next, David, come on up and uh, do the report. Hi, my name is David, and I'm your recovered alcoholic secretary. And no, we did not coordinate our outfits tonight. Um, In keeping with the seventh tradition, which states that every group shall be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions, the baskets are now going around. Uh, We also have QR codes on the back of every few chairs that you can scan to um, contribute via Venmo, or you could just type the name uh, Clarence Snyder in. And I have asked Lisa to come up and read the recovered statement. Everybody, I'm Lisa, an alcoholic. Recovered. We are not, we are not cured of alcoholism. Recovered, not, but not cured. That presents a conflict to some alcoholics. If we were cured, we would be able to drink responsibly. No, we are not cured. The allergic reaction to alcohol will remain with us for our lifetime. But we have been restored to sanity. That was the problem. The main problem of the alcoholic centers in his mind rather than in the body. Page 23. We are now sane where alcohol is concerned. Consequently, we have recovered. Thanks, Lisa. We read this notice to explain why many people in this group identify as recovered rather than recovering um, and what exactly it means to be a recovered alcoholic. 1940s-style big book sponsorship from the forward to the second edition, Alcoholics Anonymous. Of alcoholics who came to AA and really tried, 50% got sober at once and remained that way. 25% 25% sobered up after some relapses, and among the, main, the remainder, those who stayed on with AA showed improvement. <clears throat> what we've seen, felt, come to believe, and experience is that God has not changed over time, and neither should the sacred approach back to his loving arms. The statistics above suggest a 75% plus success rate. Is there anyone in the room needing a sponsor? Um, if you could stand and... Uh, if you're shy about that, um, if you could just come up to the front of the room at the end of the meeting and stand by the piano, somebody will come over and talk to you, okay? Uh, let's have a show of hands, please, of uh, 
recovered alcoholics. Nice. So tonight is our last meeting of the month. Uh, is there anyone in the room celebrating a year or more? Um, could you please stand? Okay, let's hold our applause to the end, but if we could just go around and you can tell us your name and how many years? Kelly, six years. Um, Paul at 28. James, two. Lizette, one year. Alan, seven years. Thank you and congratulations. I'm sorry? Oh. Announcements. Um, Intergroup is where you can find, uh, where you can buy AA-related uh, literature and medallions. Intergroup is also responsible for creating our where and when and scheduling the AA hotline. Uh, stop by and visit them. Next, please. Broward County, Broward County Institutions Committee is responsible for bringing meetings into places where people like us can't get out uh, can't get out to AA meetings, such as jails, detoxes, and rehabs. They meet monthly to organize the meeting schedules at the 12-step house. Uh, do we have any members of BCIC committee out here tonight? Okay, so if you're interested, um, you can speak to uh, Brian. Um, <clears throat> please stand so that people can identify you and so that this... Next slide, please. Uh, here are some upcoming service opportunities. Um, there are flyers in the back. And here are some of AA's uh, upcoming events. Uh, I'm sorry. Okay. Well. <laughs> uh, and uh, we have, uh, I believe, eight more weeks of Paulette. Um, and uh, we have um, my other home group, which is the Fort Lauderdale Primary Purpose Big Book Study Group. We meet on um, Monday at 7.15 on the third floor of this building. It's a great meeting. Uh, for, more, um, for more information on these events, flyers are at the back uh, at our literature, literature table. Um, we have CDs, uh, mugs, large print big books, and little red books, and big book dictionaries for sale at the back on the table. Uh, we meet every Thursday, starting promptly at 7.15 p.m., and we ask that you be courteous and ready to begin at the sound of the bells. See you next week. Thank you, David. Your wardrobe tonight, you did really well. Um, and we did organize it. I don't know why you don't tell everyone that. All right. So thank you for the report. Let's close it with the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy will come. Thy will be done 
on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever. Amen. Thanks.
Michael Chase, here's that song you've been asking me for for a million years. I finally pulled it out the pulled it out the corners of my mind, and um, here you go. God bless. I love you, Mike Chase. Bye. I think you know this one, don't you? 